Welcome to Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I'm Christina. And I am Michael. And I'm on the road. So if <laughs> if I sound a little strange, my microphone wasn't working, and this is the air the quality of earpods. <laughs> so we're making it work. That's podcasting. It's like our streaming. Every time we turn streaming on, there's Who a new issue to resolve. So yeah, yeah, not a big deal. You sound fine. You sound good to me. Everybody will get those nuggets of information that you give out. So it'll be okay. Well, I don't have a joke this week. So unfortunately, you won't oh. be getting that nugget of joy today. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I'll try to sneak one in there. <laughs> Okay. Well, I guess the first nugget is that Metroid Dread is about to become the best selling game in the entire Metroid series, which is bananas. Uh, Up to December 31st, Metroid Dread sold 2.74 million units. That's about three months of sales total for the entire game. Uh, That's only 100,000 units away from taking over Metroid Prime, which was the... I think number one, maybe uh, maybe close to number one, um, and it's already passed the NES Metroid lifetime sales of two point seven three million copies. Now mm-hmm. I know a lot of people. Are- well, these these numbers are nothing compared to like a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe or an Animal Crossing, but these are absolutely great numbers for the Metroid series, which traditionally has not done very well in Japan, surprisingly, which. I guess it's crazy to me because I know that recently Animal Crossing has just become the number one all-time selling game in Japan. And so it's crazy to me that such a fantastic series, a fantastic IP such as Metroid does not do better. I don't know why. At least for me, Mm -hmm. Metroid and Zelda are the best Nintendo's got. Uh, And I know that's going to upset a lot of people. They're my favorite. They're my favorite IPs that Nintendo does, and uh, traditionally Metroid just doesn't do that well. I think there's so much potential, and there's so much that Met- that Nintendo could do with Metroid to mix it up and and really kind of give us more and lean into Metroid heavier that they don't for whatever reason. I guess the sales numbers are the reason for that, but. I just think it's a chicken and the egg problem. If you did more with Metroid, maybe the sales would be better, or you know, if the sales were better, maybe Nintendo would do more. I don't know which one's the bigger issue here, but uh, it's doing great. And I think that's great potential for hopefully, fingers crossed, more Metroid for those of us that love the IP. Yeah, I have a feeling it does probably, and I, I didn't look this up, but I have a feeling Metroid probably does the best in the US or Europe because I think it's just a cultural thing. Because in Japan, they love cute stuff. They love anything cute. Like they love like big mushrooms with eyeballs on them. Um, yeah. like stuff like that. So of course Mario is huge over there, but yeah, I, I, we like Metroid over here. So give us more of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess it is, it, it, it definitely seems like a cultural thing, but, uh, across the board, Metroid tends to not do as well as the other IPs. I mean, Mario is, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's universally loved. Look at Mario Kart. Um, Animal Crossing has been universally loved, but Metroid doesn't always do that great. But I think that they could well, push it would help even if heavier. They would, it would help if they would release a game sooner than every six years. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like if, yeah. if Nintendo put a little more effort into Metroid, maybe the sales would be a little better. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. for their very first game played Metroid Dread out of all of the yeah. IPs. And so I think if they come on, at least re-release Prime so people can get a sense of what Prime mm-hmm. used to be. You know, if if you're thinking about coming out with Metroid Prime 4 here in the, I don't know, foreseeable future, maybe a couple of years from now, you should be kind of getting, let's, let's get something out there so people know what Metroid Prime 4 is even about and why they should even care or be excited for it. Let's do mm-hmm. something with it. Yeah, treat it the way you treated Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, where right, we give us a new update every, every month. <laughs> like, yeah. Come on. Well, that will kind of segue us into our next story. So they did have Nintendo had like earnings calls with investors and they released their financial reports and things like that. And there's a couple things we're going to talk about in the next few stories from that. But first, uh, we wanted to talk about uh, the game list, the game schedule, and some of the things that um, they just kind of confirmed what is coming out and when, roughly. Yeah. So I'm going to go down the list really quick just to confirm that these dates are solid. Like 
as of this last week, as of this past Thursday, Nintendo was like, this is when this is going to be coming out. So um, obviously Arceus already came out, Triangle Strategy coming out March 4th of this year, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, March 25th, Advanced Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp this spring, Splatoon 3 this year, Mario and Rabbid Sparks of Hope this year, the Breath of the Wild sequel is still slotted for this year. Um, Bayonetta 3 is slotted also for this year. But Metroid Prime 4, the only one on the list that they decided they needed to at least mention it, is listed as TBA. So <laughs> we'll get it someday. Yeah. <laughs> well, we assume that that wouldn't be this year, I guess. Yeah, All no. of these other ones are kind of... I guess it's good that they didn't get bumped to another year. But yeah. we knew going into the year that a lot of these were still projected for this year bayonetta 3 you know mario rabbits all of those mm -hmm. it would be nice to finally get dates nailed down and i do think that that's going to be whether it's the first nintendo direct that we get which should be coming out hopefully within this month but i don't know uh or maybe during e3 we will nail down all of these release dates because Right now, we know there's big games, you know, Splatoon, Mario Rabbids, Zelda, and Bayonetta. That's a big year if we can get those every couple of months, but we don't have any idea when everything's coming out. I do think Zelda will be holiday, so you figure November. I think Bayonetta maybe would be sooner. I, I'm trying to trying to predict here. If we have, yeah, they can't release them all really close to each other. They have to, yeah, because they're all too big. Yeah. So yeah. if you have if you have Pokemon Legends, which just came out, which was the big one, and then you kind of take a little step back with Triangle Strategy, and mm -hmm. then you go big again with uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. A lot of people are super excited for that. Then you take a step back for Advanced Wars. Then you go big again. Maybe this is the order they're thinking, except I think Bayonetta 3 will be switched with uh, Zelda. I think it's just not big enough for, for that to be a holiday. Yeah, um, I know. So I think if, if you take a step back and we're looking at, okay, so that's March, let's say um, May we or April, because it's a small one. So April, we get Advanced Wars. May, we get Splatoon 3. Then you could take a smaller step back with maybe June, July with Mario Rabbids. And then October, September, October for Bayonetta. Maybe. I feel like Mario Rabbids will definitely be like an E3 surprise release. I could see that happening. And then basically Breath of the Wild, Bayonetta will probably be summer and the Breath of the Wild be fourth quarter. That's got to be it. Uh, I don't. I I think it's too big. I think uh, Mario Rabbids is too big for uh just to drop it on day one. I can see it. No, I mean Wars like I think they'll that. announce. I think what what I mean is like they'll uh, they'll show the date of it actually being released in being in June. Yeah. Like really close to E three, and then they'll probably have like their treehouse thing, and it's going to be all focused on Mario Rabbids. Maybe, maybe. I, I do think those are pretty close to the rough idea. I think you're looking at May and then you're going to see them hitting those marks. So Mario Rabbids would be a June, July, mm -hmm. and then Bayonetta will be in October, September, October, and then Legends of Zed will be November, December. That mm -hmm. would be my guess because that that's going to end the year. That's going to be their big, their big wallop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see what happens. That goes into our next story, and this one is still a bit of a surprise. And I have some thoughts on what could be, what what's I'm I'm trying to read between the lines here because this one is still odd to me, and that is that Nintendo president still is holding on to the idea that the Switch is in the middle of its life cycle. President Shintaro Furukawa has actually said Switch is just in the middle of its life cycle and the momentum going into this year is good. The Switch is ready to break a pattern of our past consoles that saw momentum weakening in their sixth year on the market and to grow further. So that's, that's crazy. I think in its current state that this is still in its middle of its life cycle. Uh, the Switch did set a record for the fastest home console to reach 100 million sales. And that momentum is continuing over the past nine months. The standard Switch did 11.79 million. The OLED did 3.9. The Lite did 3.17. Uh, at 103.5 million sold, the Switch is now Nintendo's most successful home console it outsold the wii and the playstation and mm. if it wants to take the top spot away from the nintendo ds system it has to go for 55 million more units which i could see it doing 
I can see it doing in the life of its of the console if they're saying that we're halfway there. Yeah. Especially when, you know, these big games come out. I mean, Zelda's going to be a huge, huge sell seller for the console. That's going to push yeah. it. And if they came out with a version of it that's kind of themed for Zelda, I think that's going to push it for a lot of people. Because any of us that had it Gen 1 the day it came out, they're starting to get a little long in the tooth. They're starting to kind of be a little worn out. Whether they work fine or not, they're starting just to get worn out. I mean, it's a device I carry with me everywhere I go. So, you know, my little game flap I've noticed recently is not staying down quite as good as it used to. Like mm-hmm. little things are starting to happen. It's just like wear, wear and, tear. and tear. Yeah. Yeah. So if Zelda comes out with a themed and I, and I say a theme, but I mean like a cool themed console, then I think a lot of people like me that are kind of getting into that point where it's like, man, I don't know, is this thing getting worn out? Should I upgrade? Would buy into something like that, which is going to push a lot of those sales. So I don't know. It, they're saying it's sticking around. Now, my thoughts on this are that they are considering like the OLED, the light, and whether or not we get a beefier version of the Switch is all technically the Switch. Mm-hmm. I think Nintendo has got to come out with a more powerful version of the Switch. I love the form factor. I hope that's never going away. So in my mind, the Switch could be Nintendo's last console if they want to you know, go by just terminology. But... They need to come out with a stronger, more powerful version of the Switch, whether that's better processors and just, you know, it needs more that can handle the demands of these other games. Because I think we're getting into a point where a lot of games just are not running as good as they could on the Switch. Yeah, it'll be really curious to see how they do roll out the next one and when they do, because... The chip issues aren't going anywhere. They're still having, everybody's having a hard time acquiring these chips and stuff. I know people who are ordering a dishwasher, they can't get it for two years. Um, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and that's not going away. So either Nintendo has a crazy backstock of these chips and they plan on creating a Zelda-themed um, console that's OLED, which would be awesome, and I might actually get that one. But if they don't do it, then they're probably waiting until the, the, the there's going to be able to get more chips. Um, I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what well, happens. I, we'll see. I think that's definitely going to be the case for the pro. If we continue yeah. to call it that, I, I almost want to say that this statement and the fact that they're reiterating the fact we're halfway through means there's more almost, it almost is a definite that we're coming out with a pro at some point in the future. Yeah. It's got yeah. to. There's no way you can keep this this switch for six, five, six more years. It would it'd be like playing games on a calculator. There's no way that it could hold up that long. <laughs> You'd be like playing Smash Brothers and every time you hit a button, a chunk just comes flying off of the <laughs> I mean, it's just games, games won't play. You know what I mean? Like one of the best things about this switch is that that it's got a lot of, I mean, it could always be better, but it's gotten a lot of third party and indie support because it's, it's such a great platform. But if the Mm -hmm. thing just can't play games, people are going to say, well, I I don't want to be on it. It's just too hard to develop for. So they, they have to upgrade right now. It's fine. But I think in the future, we're going to start seeing a lot of issues. Yeah. Well, this past week, we got some more news in the the, the acquisition wars, if you will. Um, so we all know Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard for about $68.7 billion. And then Sony decided, well, guess what? We're making, we're, we're acquiring people on our own over here. We're going to acquire Bungie for $3.6 billion, So take that. Uh, so it just kind of seems a little funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. So people are asking Nintendo about their thoughts of this. And uh, while in a meeting with investors, Nintendo is basically like, yeah, we're just going to sit out the acquisition wars and focus on publishing our own stuff because this is fun to watch. <laughs> but uh, to quote Furukawa, he said, our brand was built upon products crafted with dedication by our employees and having a large number of people who don't possess Nintendo DNA in our group would be a would not be a plus for the company. So basically, that's like saying, we don't want any outsiders right now because it won't do anything good for us. Um, but then he also stated after, and just to sum it up, they basically did say that they're not against acquisitions, just not at this time. It doesn't seem like a good move for them. So yeah, yeah. take that as well, you will. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that makes 
some sense for Nintendo. Um, you know, going back to the IPs that we were t- discussing earlier, mm-hmm. there's Nintendo, unlike the other two, is it, it can rely heavily on those IPs that they have forged over the years. You have, you know, characters like Mario or Link. Uh, you can have Samus, you have, you know, Star Fox. You ha- I mean, you have a, a huge background of notable Nintendo characters, even from certain games. So if you say Mario, you have Peach, you have Bra- Bowser, you have Luigi. You know what I mean? There mm-hmm. are dozens of characters that you associate with Nintendo. There's That's not the case for a Microsoft, Xbox, or you know playstation type console there's maybe one or two you have master chief and you have uh kratos from god of war and there's a couple a couple of different characters there but not quite to the extent of what you associate with nintendo and i think those companies microsoft and, and sony acquiring developers allows them to take in characters maybe that they didn't create themselves but is yeah. going to fleshing out like right now they could be pulling a lot of new characters from um uh world of warcraft you know you could have a lot of characters i mean if you don't play world of warcraft you're probably like i don't know who any of these characters are but if you are big in world of warcraft there are a lot of characters that are associated with that ip uh that are very recognizable and i think that them bringing those characters in is helping them to kind of get on the same page as nintendo in that way where Mm -hmm. they do have these characters that are becoming identifiable right now you think zelda or you think uh, Xbox, you think Master Chief? That's their, that's their go-to. That's all yeah. they have. So I think I, I do think Microsoft sees that as a potential problem. I think Nintendo, that's one of their huge strengths, is their IP collection. Yeah. So it makes sense that they're not looking to acquire anybody, but they do work with outside companies, uh, and I do think that you know they could. There's a lot of companies that are. Nintendo minded, but maybe not in Nintendo's fold that Nintendo could acquire and just it would be, you know, just like anybody else working there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if Nintendo did acquire someone, it would kind of it wouldn't be as big of a crazy thing as Microsoft and Sony are making it out to be. Nintendo would be like, yeah, you know, we made this this studio part of our team now. Um yeah. instead of kind of making it feel like they're in this weird competition of, well, I acquired this and I acquired that. But yeah, I was I was trying to think of people that Nintendo companies or or something that Nintendo could acquire, and I think that if it were, I don't I don't know who or what it would be, but I do think if Nintendo were to start looking into acquiring any businesses, any companies, it should be companies that allow them to get a better online experience. So what I'm saying is maybe it's not a flashy developer necessarily, but it's a company that does amazing. I don't know, like UI, UX, like something like that. Yeah. So whether it's server based or some sort of online service that they just really do well, I'm sure there's a lot of companies out there that handle things like that, that I'm just not familiar with, but uh, I could see them needing or acquiring something like that more Mm -hmm. so than, uh, you know, a, a game development studio. I agree. And I think in that, that kind of, cements sort of what I was thinking too, that it would be something kind of brushed under the rug. It wouldn't be, you know, glamorized because that stuff isn't the glamorous stuff in the industry. That's the stuff that's kind of like the nitty gritty dealings under the table that nobody really cares about. (laughs) Yeah. They need some behind the scenes work. Yeah. Yeah. Really bad. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. Nintendo's strengths are their IPs a hundred percent. But I I do think it is really funny that Sony decided that it, it, if you compare, so Activision Blizzard being bought for $68.7 billion, and then Sony had to make a big announcement for acquiring Bungie for barely a fraction of that. Well, <laughs> I, mean, it's one, I mean, it's a it's big one deal, company. yes. But it's just funny that it's like, well, fine, if you're going to acquire that, well, we're going to acquire this guy over here. So fine. <laughs> it just yeah, seems so but I mean, it's not, like, it's not like they did it in response. That's no, not the case. No, I know. It just... The timing was just funny. Yeah. That's all. It was. Microsoft That's just it. happened to beat them before Sony because Sony was going to say that <clears throat> just as well. But I think that, you know, it, it forced their hand. It was like yeah. Microsoft came out all this news and now all of these people are saying, you know, that Sony lost the console wars and this and that. So Sony yeah. was probably like, well, 
geez, I, I, okay, guys, we bought Bungie too. But also, too, Sony's kind of been a little bit of a brat always. So I guess that's probably why I see it that way. Well, yeah. I think it's funny to me that Bungie was once owned by Microsoft and now is owned by Sony. So it's mm. interesting that they have both. I didn't that's know that. That's one company that's done. Well, Bungie was the original creators of Halo. They were the ones that started Halo. Um, Microsoft, okay. when they were building right. their console, they needed a game. Mm-hmm. Microsoft, Bungie built Xbox, I would say. It was the whole reason there was a mm. success. If if Xbox did not have Halo when it launched, it, I don't think it would have succeeded. I think it would have failed. And so there's a lot of credit to Bungie uh, yeah. that, they, that they made xbox essentially so what was happening was bungie was creating a game for halo or creating halo and it was going to be an rts it wasn't going to be what it became it was going to be an rts more like halo wars Mm -hmm. and microsoft saw what they were doing and decided to buy them and bring that ip into their fold and that's when it became combat evolved and it was you know what it is and you know gone mm-hmm, on to become mm-hmm. what it has become yeah and after i think two or three games i think halo 3 was their last one they decided to part ways and you know uh, uh, microsoft and xbox stuck with they got to have the rights to halo so they created 343 to continue developing it mm-hmm. and bungie went on to make destiny so destiny is their big game that's the one that okay. now sony runs and owns is is destiny which is, is a great game mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a little weak and i played destiny when it first came out and kind of got away from it but um since then people that i know that play it have said it's 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 an amazing game and i've been tempted to jump back in but i just haven't Mm -hmm. got around to it um so yeah i mean it's it's pretty interesting the story of bungie i think there's like i said there's a lot of credit that needs to go to them for what they did for microsoft and for xbox and it's kind of gone its own way but it's it's still a big get on its own but it's not as big as what Activision Blizzard is bringing to the table because there's so many more IPs. And when I believe when Microsoft bought um, Bungie, it was in the millions. It was like 20 million. And now you see what they've been bought for by Sony. And it's just like, you know, geez, they made up some ground there in the last handful of years. Yeah. I do feel kind of bad for Bungie now, though, because I knew of Bungie and I knew they were connected to destiny but i didn't know that they were connected or basically what made halo what it is now or- well bungie left microsoft they got out of the co- they didn't it was they wanted to part ways it wasn't like microsoft oh, fired them. okay mm-hmm. okay all right yeah i think they from what and and again i could be a little wrong on the the history of it but from what i understand they wanted to go their own way to do their own thing again and okay and that's why i think when the the press release came out um regarding sony they they were very adamant that they're keeping their own thing like they're an in, a, an independent entity because i think of the experience they had before you know they were already owned by a big company and i don't yeah. they were owned by um microsoft then they then they had some sort of deal i want to say they had some sort of deal with activision maybe some publishing thing and that didn't hmm. go the way they wanted it to and so this is the third time with sort of this parent company and i i would assume that the contract is airtight as far as them maintaining yeah. their independence from this company. Hmm. That would so be my guess. It, it's just interesting kind of seeing how Bungie's kind of flip-flopped around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the timing, like you said, is funny because it's like yeah. a tit for tat. But I think a lot <laughs> of people thought, oh, wow, they just bought Bungie as a as a you know, a middle finger to Microsoft. It's like, no, there's no, no. way a deal like that was made in a week. Uh, these things take years, so it just happened to be when they were able to talk about it. You know, I'm sure yeah. the ink wasn't even dry yet, and Sony said we have to we have to make this announcement because we're losing all this sort of mental space in people's heads because well, Microsoft is making these yeah. big deals. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it, and I'm trying to think like if it went the other way, if Sony did announce it, and then Microsoft all of a sudden announced their acquisition, then people would be like, "Well, Microsoft, calm down." <laughs> Oh, like, I'm sure. I mean, and I'm yeah. still, and there's still more to come. People are saying oh, sure. that there's yeah. still a lot of acquisitions that are being ironed out for this year, and mm-hmm. we may see more in the future. I don't. I would not be surprised. Nintendo also does like to say things and then do the opposite a month later. So I would not be surprised if there are 
Nintendo, there's some sort of Nintendo news as well. And then they just didn't want to announce. I mean, how many times did they say there's no new Switch? And then a month later, the OLED came out. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, you're, you're clearly just playing coy and not, you don't want to tell what's actually happening. You know what, too? I could actually see Nintendo acquiring something in the entertainment industry, not necessarily game related because they do, they have been either that or in the mobile gaming arena um, because Mm -hmm. they have been pushing more and more into those industries. And it, they have said that they do plan on investing a lot more in their entertainment, um, like movies and things like that. So it'll be really interesting to see, like, could you, like, I I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I can see that some sort of, uh, uh, not, not Pixar, obviously, but a Pixar type or somebody that allows them to continue in that area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that for sure. Oh, I guess we'll, we'll keep our finger on the pulse and let everybody know when or if that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we will. We'll keep, keep our finger on the pulse and what's the... (laughs) You know, our our shoes on the ground or like one of those like <laughs> reporters sort of sayings. We'll keep our rubber to the streets. We'll keep I don't our know what engines say, revved. I, I <laughs> keep it tuned here, folks. Come and... Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right. So now getting into rumor town, we have a certain rumor floating around that a certain super spy could be returning within the next few weeks. Rumor comes from a Twitter conversation between the VGC editor and former Platonic Games writer Andy Robinson. Robinson tweeted, I wouldn't be surprised if a certain super spy returns in the next few weeks. Uh, People are speculating it could be the 90s game The Super Spy, which would make sense, (laughs) or Spy Fox, or Snake from Metal Gear Solid, or Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell, or Kate Archer, No One Lives Forever, or Joanna Dark from Perfect Dark, which I would love... I would love some Perfect Dark on the Switch if they did Perfect Dark again. It's really a good game. It was a lot of fun. Or I would even take some more Metal Gear. Like uh, the other consoles, Nintendo consoles have gotten Metal Gear. We do not have any Metal Gear. I would love to play some Metal Gear on my Switch. A lot of people are saying, you know, maybe it's James Bond. And there have been little clues to lead people in that direction that maybe it's a new 007 game or maybe there's a remake of GoldenEye 007 on the Switch, maybe. But uh, no, nobody knows for sure. There just seems to be some rumblings of a super spy out there in the world. And I'm excited for it. I would love, love, love a complete overhaul of GoldenEye with better multiplayer. You know, give us that online. Give mm-hmm. us all the that we are used to now in this day and age and let us play some more golden eye with better graphics and everything better controls um, but let us have it on the switch and i don't know if that'll happen but we'll see yeah i thought it was really funny because so going through the list of who people are speculating it could be literally one of the games coming to the switch this next week is called spy fox so mm-hmm. <laughs> i hope yeah. that's not it i hope that's not they were what they were hinting about because it's pretty anticlimactic why? I mean, a spy and a fox, that seems like something you would be all over. Maybe. <laughs> but just when it's compared to yeah. 007, you wouldn't be as excited. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, you say certain super spy, it's James Bond. Like, it has to be. You can't say, you can't tease something like that and have it not pay off. Otherwise, you're just dumb. Well, <laughs> yeah, but if there was a game called The Super Spy, I guess, you know, that would be a little on the nose. It's too close. Yeah, I have a feeling yeah. it was probably like this one person is really ex- like like has this really weird nostalgic connection to Spy Fox, and now that it's coming, it's just like okay, good for you, I guess. Yeah. But okay. It'd be <laughs> like me it. with Chibi Robo. Yeah, like you and me are probably the only ones that would ever play it. <laughs> hey guys, I have a feeling Iron Man coming to the Switch in a Chibi Robo. No, no, I have a feeling a certain metal metal uh character or something that's gonna be like metal gear yeah (laughs) and more kind of game related news it looks like voice of cars is getting a little standalone follow-up in february this month at some point (laughs) so you i know you played the game the isle dragon roars uh, which I haven't I haven't played the game. I've played the demo and okay. I own the game. You own the game. And gotcha. I just haven't had a chance to start it yet. But I am extremely mm. I, I loved, loved, loved the demo on the switch for voice of cards. If you have not played that yeah. Isle, Isle of Roars or whatever it's called, 
Um, the Isle Dragon Roars. I, yeah, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and uh, and I just had not got around to playing the full game. The uh-huh. day it came out, I liked the demo so much, I already I had pre-ordered the game. Wow. I forgot that you pre-ordered it. That's right. Well, anyway. Yeah, I, got, so. I got like little things with it. Uh-huh. I will say that the bonus stuff <laughs> that you get with it is not worth paying the extra for it it's like mm-hmm. it's just not where I, I thought it would be more stuff it's it's kind of like a different board game to play on and it's like a little different token i mean if you love the little tokens but i think i only used one thing from the like the the package that i paid more for so i don't know if that's necessarily worth it but i will say the game is is just so unique and so interesting that it's 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 worth playing the demo if nothing else yeah I played the demo too, and I really, really enjoyed it. I just didn't pick up the game yet. And something I've noticed too is like anytime I pre-ordered anything or thought something looked interesting to pre-order, I instead am like, why am I going to pre-order this? I'm not going to use any of this stuff. It's always a letdown. So <laughs> whatever mm-hmm, the stuff you have mm-hmm. that you get. But anyway, um, yes, the demo is awesome. The new game that's coming out is called Voice of Cards, The Forsaken Maiden. It's coming on February 17th. No price has been mentioned yet. I have a feeling it might be the same price as the first game. Um, yeah. Just because it's a standalone follow-up, so we'll see. But the story goes, it's set on a remote chain of islands that have been protected by the maidens for generations, but which now face destruction. The hero of the story vows to save the islanders and sets sail for high seas, together with Laddie, a girl who failed to become a maiden. So, interesting story. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm excited for it. Now, the only thing I will say that uh, makes me a little... Uh, annoyed, I guess, at the very least, is <clears throat> this is a standalone game. Now, the the um, the original game was mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know, like thirty bucks. I think. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's thirty dollars, and this is probably going to be also thirty dollars. Now, what I'm what I'm getting the sense is voice of cards, while this is not episodic, meaning that these are not related necessarily, uh, it does seem like it's going to be a series of sort of smallish yeah. eight to ten hour games. Now, if I had known voice of cards of Forsaken Maiden and Voice of Cards, uh, Isle of Dragon Roars and all of these, and maybe another one were gonna all come out, I may have waited until I could get them all in one collection. As opposed to buying yeah. them individually. But now, my guess is that'll even happen because yeah, there have been so true. many games set up for that, and they just never do it because it's not cost effective. So, well, the only reason I say that it seems like they would is that you just came out with Voice of Cards: The Owl Dragon Roars for thirty dollars uh, months ago, four months ago, and now you've mm-hmm. got a whole another game just like it. And it's like you you didn't wait to see the success of the previous one. This was already in the making. This yeah. was already done, mostly done. So you could have just released them as one set and you're kind of trickle feeding these out. And that that's yeah. aggravated. I don't like that. But the game itself is fantastic. Now, I, I do wish that they just included this as DLC into the game that they already have. So like those of us that already paid for the first one, maybe we could have bought this at a reduced price instead of having to buy a whole nother game where it isn't, it, you know, it's standalone or not. It would have been nice to say, OK, well, you you already bought the first one. You uh, clearly liked what we did that time. So because of that, here's a reward. You can get this for twenty dollars instead of, you know, forty dollars or something. Yeah. They and, and even if it wasn't DLC, even just saying, you know, if you bought our first game, you get ten dollars or five dollars off this game. Like yeah, doing, just as a yeah. good faith thing, it would have been nice. I don't know if having it be DLC would make sense because it is its own complete separate story. So it's not connected mm-hmm. in any way. I always feel like if you get if a game has DLC, it should be connected in some way, shape and form to the game that it is DLC for. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, and that's just well, my own personal thing. But I, I don't know. <laughs> either way, I love I love what they did. I will most mm-hmm. likely get this. I do want to play the one I own and I and I probably will stream that one. I think it's a fun one to stream, especially yeah, knowing should. it's kind of short. It would mm-hmm. only be a couple, you know, a couple episodes long yeah. to stream that. So I'll probably stream that. I think that would be a fun one to play because I, I have been itching to do it. I, I really enjoy it. So I'm if nothing else, I'm excited to see that we're getting more of this this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder how many more they have planned in the pipeline. 
Like if they were able know. to get this one out so quickly, it's, I mean, it's a really cool idea of a game and I, I'm, I'm glad that they're making more of them because it's just a cool, cool idea. Yeah. I yeah. like it. Well, that does it for our news this week. And now we're moving into our top 10 bestsellers. And first we have Pokemon Legends Arceus, Arceus, whatever. And second, you have Mario Party Superstars, third, Minecraft, fourth, Unravel 2, fifth, Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit Remastered, and sixth, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, seventh, Among Us, eighth, Just Dance 2022, ninth, Assassin's Creed, The Rebel Collection, and tenth, Animal Crossing, New Horizons. Nice. Now, I know we talked last week about having Becca on for... Uh, review thoughts on Pokemon Legends Arceus, but she has not. Uh, she she felt she did not put enough time into it yet to give much valuable feedback. So it'll probably be next week after she was able to play it a little bit longer. Yeah, and I will eventually. say, that, <laughs> yeah, eventually. And I will say that the more I've seen of it, the more I'm also interested in it. And mm-hmm. it seems like it's a game because I keep hearing. I've I've watched three people review it so far. And they have all kind of gone into it with the same mm, lack of enthusiasm that I feel for Pokemon. And they said that this was the game that they had wanted. It's It feels different. Oh, cool. It feels fresh. It feels like, you know, you're living in a world that has Pokemon. And it's it's a, it's a very big departure from the games like Sword and Shield and those core games that mm-hmm. are just kind of stale, at least to me now. And they they keep reiterating the fact that the play mechanic is fun. You you can keep going. And I'm somebody that really, really, we've said this many times, but I really do like those chores of like catch six of these and do this and feed it and whatever. And there's a lot of checklists that you yep. can go and a lot of collecting through. too. A lot of collecting. And I mm-hmm. like all that stuff. And I and and even though that the graphically it seems like it's very lacking, it does seem like the play style is what I want from this game. So it is moving up rapidly on my like wish list. And and maybe when I get through just a little bit more of my back catalog, I will pick this up because the more I hear, the more I'm like, oh man, th- those are the things I was like really worried about and mm-hmm. didn't want to jump on a full price game for because I was like, you know, I, I enjoyed Sword and Shield, but it, at when it all came said and done, it was kind of like, uh I didn't want to feel that way for this. And I am hearing good stuff. So I'm I'm excited to maybe try it out. We'll we'll see. I'm really still I'm I was on the fence heavily. Now I'm kind of falling over the fence into the pick this up in the near-ish future. It's funny because I I kind of had the same once I saw how much collecting there is, I was yeah. way more interested. I love collecting yeah. stuff in games. I don't know why. Maybe because I don't collect things in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but um yeah, I was looking and then I so I kind of put a get put together a strategy. I was thinking, okay, I can sell because I have the physical version of sword. So I can sell sword. And then yeah. I can use that money to hopefully at that time, there will be some used ones out there. And so then I can buy Arceus used. Well, you also have a, uh, so, a birthday coming up. That is so. true. That is true. That could, March March eighteenth, everybody. Just putting it out there. <laughs> yeah, you have a birthday coming up, so yeah. maybe that would be so a wonderful. Uh, I do. So maybe those would yeah. be good birthday gifts. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I guess we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Maybe we should just buy them, buy ourselves the game for, like, buy it for, <laughs> for ourselves, birthdays. and just say like, yeah, we bought our own birthday gifts for each other. So. <laughs> maybe those are good physical versions to buy, so that's. You can resell uh, if them. If we don't like it, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. can return it or sell yeah. it. Yeah, 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 that's a good idea. Yeah, I think I that's, going, a, that's a safe bet with that one. Yeah, I was going through all my physical. I, every once in a while, I like to just declutter everything I own. And so I was going through all my games, and I'm like, I do not need Pokemon Sword. I don't need the game. I, I don't yeah. have any interest in hopping back into it. I played it, and I had fun, and I'm done. Yeah, it was a short-lived kind of burst. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and, I, so. and I'm sure that's how it would be with this. And maybe that's because I do t- typically go for digital, but I think that would be a good idea is mm-hmm. to pick this yeah. up physical, play it, enjoy it, get my time with it, and then trade it or sell it or whatever mm-hmm. for the next thing that I want to play. Yeah, I do know that if you do get the digital version of the game sooner than later, you do get like something like 50 free Pokeballs in the game, which is, I guess, a pretty great deal. Mm. Um, 
So something to consider. I mean, I, I don't care enough, but I know you like that stuff. So I figured. Yeah, I didn't know that there was a bonus for doing digital, but, and I yeah. think that Maybe it was actually, a pre-order bonus. I'm not 100% sure you'll have to check. Sorry. <laughs> and I also have to check because I did see that that was one of the games that does double gold. I believe. Yeah. And oh, if you yes, buy it yes. digitally, you get double gold. So it's almost like you're getting money back when you buy that one. Yeah. And I did want to note too, I forgot to add this in, but I saw it. But, uh, from now until I think it's February 28th, there's quite a few games in the eShop right now where you get double gold points. So if yeah. there's any game you've been on the fence about, now's the time to go and check and see if you need to just buy yeah, it. <laughs> check those double golds. Because yeah. if, if, if Arceus or Arceus is double gold, Maybe that offsets the need for getting it physical. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, yeah. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to seriously consider Gotta it. Got to weigh the what, options. What I'm going to do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> stay. Stay. Uh, stay tuned. Stay on the edge of your seats, people. This is a a humdinger to. <laughs> I'm trying, All right. I'm trying to keep. I know. Up with All right. So that gets us to. Ball. That gets us to new releases we're into this week. And there's quite a few games, but not a ton that we are excited for. I will go first. On February 8th is Ali Ali World for $30. I have played some of the other Ali Ali skateboard games. They're very difficult. This one mixes it up a little bit. You're going to Radlandia, and you take a trip across a lush skateboarding utopia that is filled to the brim with eccentric characters and vibrant locations that are just begging to be explored. You cruise through Radlandia's epic skate haven, improve your skills to unlock special rewards that let you customize your character's looks, tricks, and styles. It looks very, very good. I did like all of the other games, even if they are difficult. This one is a, a departure from style, I will say 100%, but it looks really, really cool. I'm sure it's got great music, and it's from what I'm hearing, it is a lot of fun. So I may check this one out. I, I will put it on the wish list for sure and wait till it goes a little bit. I don't want to pay 30, I don't think. But if you're really into skating games, this one is probably a must, um, either a must buy or at least a must check. I'm hoping we get a demo for it. I would like to play a demo for this. Yeah, I'm just happy that it's finally out so I don't have to see it in another direct. Yeah, I know. It's fun in the last three directs. It's like, okay, we know this game is coming. We just released yeah, it already. Coming. So I just stopped hearing about it. You know, the typical Nintendo thing. Yeah. Now, I also want to mention, I didn't put a check just because I'm, I don't know what they're doing with it. But on February 10th, Kingdom Hearts is coming to the Switch. There's about 17 versions of this freaking game on here. You got Kingdom Hearts 2.8, Final Chapter, Prologue, Cloud Version, Kingdom Hearts Integrum, Masterpiece for Cloud, Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5, It just goes on and on. I was going to say I was interested in this, but because the naming is so terrible, I don't even want this game. I don't even know. <laughs> what's happening here but if you're a big kingdom hearts fan you're probably excited to see that this is coming out i just don't even know where i would begin because these names are so terrible i assume i start with kingdom hearts hd 1.5 plus 2.5 remix cloud version but pff, who knows who knows so welcome to the salty section of the podcast <laughs> I mean, I, I love I love the idea of it. You know, I mean, I, I yeah. love the idea of if you get with them, if you get the masterpiece, I believe that's all of them. So you're paying $90. What order for, do you play them in still? Like, you don't know. Yeah, exactly. I would hope it's just listed on the card. I, I think oh, it, I, I don't even know. But um, I think it goes 1.5 plus 2.5 remix. Then it goes 2.8 and then it goes Kingdom Hearts 3. So there you have it. That's my guess. I don't know. I'm just trying to go by the numbers. I I don't know why they have like it must include DLC or something, but uh I mean it's it's Square Enix in Disney. It's it's everything I would love. I just I'm so confused. And I've also heard that the cloud version of this game is not worth getting so i don't know if that oh, okay. is a huge turnoff for people yeah but my guess is they will have a physical version as well but yeah i mean i love the idea of disney and square enix i love the idea of rpg disney i haven't played i've played a small little tiny tiny fraction of the first one when it came out years and years ago and it's always been something where i felt like man i should be playing these but it's just so aggravating the way they just come out with a decent naming convention it makes no sense yeah i Honestly, there's so many games every week that when we have to put together the list of games coming out, it's like, 
why would you name your game this? Not only that, why would you use so much punctuation? It's so unnecessary. And why would you capitalize that word and not capitalize that? It just, it, it drives me nuts. Absolutely. Yeah, You do see some funny things when you look at the games every day. So dumb. (laughs) Anyway, moving on (laughs) to some maybe happy things. So I checked two games this week. Both are coming out on February 10th. The first one is called Welcome to Elk. It's on set right now for $12. Normally it's going to be $15. So this is an adventure game set on a fictional island, but the people and the, the stories on the island are all based on real stories from people. It, it seems like a really yeah. interesting concept. Yeah. So you play as this character named Frigg, a young carpenter trading their busy life in the city for an apprenticeship in a small town, Stardew Valley. Um, yeah. You make new friends, you play unique little mini games, and the, the overall kind of summary of this game is it might look like a fun game, but it's about telling stories. Some are filled with humor, others are dark, but they go hand in hand. And the illustration style is kind of interesting. At first, it reminded me a little bit of Dr. Seuss, but it's just like kind of like a whimsical, hand-drawn sort of look. It, it's interesting. So I put a check on nice. that one. And then the next one I put a check on is I think called Inua, uh, A Story of Ice and Time. This one's on sale for $13.50, normally $15. Uh, Inua is a mystical narrative adventure spanning several time periods in the Canadian far north. You follow the story of, uh, I think I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but I'll try, um, Taina, Peter, and Simon. So three characters, these three characters are separated by more than a century, but they do intertwine and connect in a mysterious way based on this great polar bear named Nannerluk. Nanner, Nannerluk? Yeah. It's a big polar bear. So it just seems like a really interesting kind of story. And I like different time periods. And it would just, it, I'm, it piqued my interest. I want to know how these stories connect because of a polar bear. So <laughs> yeah, I put a check on that one. Nice. Well, a couple games. I mean, yeah. like I said, there was a huge list of stuff. And I will, there is, there is a lot of garbage. And it seems like this has gone up over the years that we've done the podcast that we're seeing a lot of shovelware coming onto the switch where it's just these crappy, mm. crappy games, complete ripoffs that when I, when we were putting the, together the game list, you could see games that are clearly ripoffs of Zelda and everything like that. So that you're just almost tricking people into buying your game. And I really hope Nintendo does something to, I know they won't, but it would just be really nice to see them address the eShop in a way that, whether it minimizes this crap just or curating it so that yeah. yeah you're getting things and not just nintendo stuff like i feel like it's curated and it bumps their stuff up to the list which i understand but you have a ton of very very talented you know uh developers making quality indie games that should be praised on the switch and i just feel like a lot of the times those get pushed down by just complete garbage and uh, I, I don't want to see it anymore. It's really aggravating when you see some of this stuff that's that's coming out. It's just like, man, that you just it's just noise like, is what it turns into. Zelda. Why would I want to yeah. play your crappy game? when I could just play a Zelda game. But it, I don't know. I think it I think it kind of and this is the impression I guess it's a lot of student made games like they make these games in school and then somehow they're like they get money to put it on the switch. And so they do it and they're not thinking like okay, if I put this on the Switch, great, I can say I have a published game out there. And it's like, yeah, but at the same time, your crappy version of Zelda isn't going to make you look good. Like, you're just adding more noise to the industry that it that just doesn't need to be there. And it's not uh, like, and it's not like I'm, I'm dismissing people from trying to make games. Like, yeah, try to make games, but you don't need to, like, sell, like, both you and your mother, whoever is making games now, because it seems like everybody can, doesn't mean you have to. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just think that I they can put whatever they want on there. I just wish there was a better way of, uh, you know, filtering that stuff out. I think a lot of people have started to feel that it's very hard to be discovered. I think a lot of developers have said that it's very hard to be discovered on the eShop. And yeah. ultimately, I think that's going to be a deterrent for a lot of these companies. I know mm. Steam, you, you know, discoverability is easier. There's other places that they can go and be discovered sure. and actually make money off of their efforts. If they're legit, then the eShop for the switch and you know it's a shame because the switch is such a perfect indie platform for 
you know, gamers. It's it's just such a, that's I play probably ninety percent of my games are or indie games that are on the Switch. So I would like to see them refine that. I'd like to see that be a little bit better because you know the shovelware is just getting. It's just good. I'm sure it's out of control on all platforms, but it just seems really prominent on the Switch. Well, I think on the Switch, it's so bad, too, because they don't have a review system. Yeah. If you want to get a review for a game, you almost have to go to Steam to look up what people are saying and then decide if it's worth it, which you shouldn't have to do that. If you're a place, if you're selling a service to sell games, your service should be including that in it. And that's a good point. I, I think a lot of times I do that where I, yeah. you know, I look up a game and then have to run to Steam to see if it's actually anything decent. And that's why sometimes when we put the game list together and we do put checks on games, we say what the Steam rating is because it's available and we want you to all know this isn't a crappy game, but seems pretty decent. So just mm. a, an huh. extra step we shouldn't have to do. Well, that gets us to everybody's favorite segment in the show, what we're playing. and. Christina, what have you been playing this week? Uh, basically, I've just been living in Stardew Valley. And that's where I'm going to probably be for the rest of my life. Because it seems like like this game, I've gone back and played it so many times. And every time I play, there's still something new. It, it's, yeah. it's wild to me. Yeah. It, like This is like the never-ending game. And you're still finding new stuff. Yeah. Well, that's I, I think that's... I mean, that to me is is the... The beauty of this game. I yeah. also have gotten into Stardew Valley, and that's it's like, that's the only thing I've really been picking up on my Switch mm-hmm. uh, this week. Anyway, is Stardew Valley. Nice, yeah. And I it's swear, just it's, it's like the never-ending story of video games. <laughs> well, I mean, I haven't even. I, I I feel like this this game, as much as I've played it, and as much time as I've put into Stardew Valley, I really haven't done a whole lot i mean i was texting you the other day and i said i'm finally getting to the winter festival which is my first year i've never made it to the winter <laughs> festival in this game you've never because played it's into usually the like year? yeah i've never even played oh into the second gosh. year because i just usually kind of you know playing that amount of time i mean i usually use every day almost to the fullest unless i run out of energy and then even then i might eat something so i can go back to do it so the <laughs> my days tend to be very long in the game mm-hmm. And I've got, I don't, I don't even know, 200 hours in the game and I've never made it to the second year yet. So That's I think wild. I either, I either start over, which I've done mm-hmm. several times. This is still the playthrough I've played, you know, last year or two years ago when I was doing it. So it did mm-hmm. take me a little while to kind of refresh my memory on what exactly where I was doing, what my thoughts were. Um, but I'm going to be more intentional now that I've kind of picked it back up, I want to plan out. There's there's wonderful tools online. You can do like the farm planning uh, website and you can mm-hmm. actually say like, all right, here's where my silo is going to go. Let me let me start to think about what I want my strategize. Be. Yeah, I actually want to have some strategies. So when I jump in, I can remember, oh, yeah, I do this, do that. Um, but aside from that, I'm just kind of enjoying it and I'm just getting back in and in getting into this, the, the ritual of playing it. And I think one of the main reasons I've started to get back into it is because I have been playing other games on Xbox. I finished Halo, which was fantastic. Halo Infinite Campaign, I'm saying, uh, was just fantastic. I think for me anyway, it was my favorite one. It's got me to the point where I'm going to play through all of the Halo games uh, chronologically so mm-hmm. I can, because there are ones that I, I've never played. There's, there's, I, I, when I went into Halo Infinite, I did watch a lot of videos kind of going over the story. So I was up to speed, but there were a few that I never even played. So I want to play from Halo Wars back to Halo Infinite, all of them in order. I'll play them on like easy just because I'm more or less playing it for the story. I'm not trying to like prove anything. I just want to play the game just to kind of absorb it. And I want to, I, I never played any of the Halo Wars. I didn't play Halo Reach. Then goes Halo Combat Evolved 2, 3, you know, and then it goes from 4 or 5. There's a, there's, there's a lot of them, surprisingly. And I just think it'd be really cool now that I'm in that world. I want to kind of refresh myself. I want to see the whole story before me. And so that that's an intense game, especially Infinite, was pretty intense. And then I'm playing the multiplayer for it was also pretty intense. So when I when I needed a break, it's nice to say, okay, it's I'm getting ready for bed. I'm going to play some Stardew and that's a way to wind down. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, one of the main reasons I jumped back into Stardew. It's sort of a, a calming game. It's very relaxing. Um, and then 
now that I've beaten, I've beat Halo the campaign, I've started playing Control, and I'm really enjoying that as well. It's it's a very odd game. I know that we discussed Control originally because there is a demo and there is a cloud version on the Switch. So if if you want, I guess you could play it there. I'm playing it on Xbox because it's part of Game Pass, so I don't have to pay for anything. But a lot, I'm really enjoying it. It's very atmospheric. It's a gorgeous game, very cinematic. There's a lot of these really beautiful title screens that pop up and just the sound, because I play with headphones on and the sounds and the boom and the like little noises yeah. it makes are really, really effective. Just beautiful. The characters, I love the main character that I play as and just really interesting. And it's sort of unfolding and a little spooky at times and a little yeah. like um, mind, mind bendy, you know, matrixy at times. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. I get, I get portal two vibes from it. I get matrix vibes from it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I get, think when I described it to you, I said it, it was kind of like matrix and X-Files pushed together yeah. and yeah, it's almost a little spookier that. at times. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Resident Evil sense, you know, yeah, maybe not zombies, yeah. but it's got these very spooky. You don't know if you're going to turn a corner and see something or if, you know, and, it, and it's building it up, but almost like a subnautica where there's nothing mm-hmm. to be afraid of necessarily, but you're afraid of everything anyway. And that's kind of the sense I get where at any yeah. turn, I feel like I could be really scared, even though there's not, uh, and the difficulty feels just right. It's not super difficult. But it's also you will die if you're just not paying attention or you're trying to rush through things. You could just take a step back and just say, "Okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go a little slower. I'm going too fast here." Recollect my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stop trying to rush through this. And um, you get these really cool talents and these 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 um, weapons and these these abilities that you can use. And mm-hmm. it's really satisfying. Like in this, I don't want to spoil it necessarily. I don't think it is, but there's a, you get telekinesis and you can like pull things to you and throw them around. Yeah. And when you do it, it, the sound effects of her like <laughs> pulling the, the like objects. I mean, she rips concrete. If there's nothing near you, if there's no like, uh, I don't know, oil drums or nothing that you can use to throw, she'll rip chunks of concrete off the wall and throw that at, at enemies. And the sound it makes when she throws, like it makes like this high pitch, like screaming sound when it comes at you. And then when you throw it at somebody, it's kind of like this woof, and it knocks them back and super <laughs> satisfying effects. And yeah. the sound is just so good. So good. So if you have not played Control, I highly suggest checking it out. Like I said, there is a demo on the Switch, and I have played the demo. It's very short. Uh, You do not get a full sense of the game um, from that demo. But the faster you play that demo, the more you see. It's a timed demo, not a just like a, a an area checkpoint demo. So if you just rush through, you'll see more of the game than than you would if you take your time, but it's, it's, it'll give you a sense of the atmosphere. And uh, yeah, I I would say it's, it's something worth picking up wherever you choose to play it. It's very cool. Yeah. It's one of those games where I don't think I could play because it seems too intense. I have watched it and it's, Mm. it's such a interest, just, it's just interesting. I can't say there's a game quite like it. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. excited to see where it goes. I, I'm probably a quarter of the way through. I think nice. it's like a 18 hour game if you play mm-hmm. a lot of the side quests and stuff like that. So Which you will. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and I and I pick them up. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to get 100 percent completion. You'll on get about 80 like percent. That. Probably that seems <laughs> to be my that. wheelhouse. <laughs> Yeah, I, I seem to be. I will say I went all out for Infinite, though. I, I was looking everywhere. I found majority of the skulls. I've got almost every single thing. But you um, still got about 80%, right? I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know if there's a way to check my oh, my okay. uh, complete completed uh, game percentage. I, I think mm-hmm. there probably is. I would say I'm probably in the 90 percentile range for that game. I, Ooh, I really yeah, found really a, I found <laughs> I found a lot of stuff. I found yeah. I complete. I, I did a lot in that game. So because I figured, mm-hmm. you know what, the chances of me going back through maybe when co-op starts, I'll play it with somebody and, and do some co-op stuff because there's a few skulls I could find. Mm-hmm. And it would be fun. Like uh, a friend of ours, Jared, says he wants to play it on co-op. So if, if nice. that's the case, I would maybe run through it again and find those few things that I missed. But, you know, a lot of times you play the campaign, you don't go back, you know, or at least I don't tip typically. So um, I wanted to try to beat that one as as best I could. Yeah, I think it's like something like 85 days until the co-op 
or campaign is released. There's like yeah. there's an account on Twitter that we follow through Nintendo Dispatch, and they've been counting it down every day. I think they're excited. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason I know. <laughs> yeah, and that's but. that's when the season two of the uh, multiplayer starts up as well. It all okay. kind of happens at the nice. same day. And, nice. and another another cool benefit of finding everything in the single player, the campaign, is because there's these armor upgrades that are hidden all over the map. And those go towards your multiplayer look. Mm-hmm. So it's like another reason to find them is because yeah. oh, I, I get this cool piece of armor, or this cool coding that maybe somebody else did. And if they didn't play the campaign and mm-hmm. didn't spend the time looking for it. So that's another reason I look all over for that kind of stuff. But overall, great games all across the board. Loved Halo. Really enjoying Control. And of course, Stardew Valley is, is a must get if you're on any console. But if you're on the Switch... You should be playing Stardew Valley. It's it's just a masterpiece game. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, if you would like to write us and tell us what games you're playing, we would love to hear that. Go over to NintendoDispatch.com. Hit that contact button. If you want to watch a stream, which we have not done for the last couple of weeks, but go to Twitch.tv forward slash NintendoDispatch. We will be streaming. Our schedules are just too hectic Someday. at the moment, but... We do love it, and we will be back to to streaming again, so we promise you. Uh, If you want to chat with us, go to Twitter at Dispatch Podcast or go to Discord, and the info for that is on our website. So you can write us and just kind of say hi. You know, We always enjoy it. But thank you so much for listening this week. And as always, this has been your Nintendo Dispatch.